Hello, and welcome back to our Akadeka podcast. Title is yet undecided, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll get on that. Uh, we are continuing our discussion of literature, and today we'll be talking about um, just kind of the plot overview and some of the characters of The Seawolf, uh, this year's Akadeka novel, um, being 2021 to 2022. And um, this is kind of a, more of like a personal takes thing. And we'll get into more of the background and the themes and the symbolism and a lot more of that stuff. We'll do a second episode covering that once we've done a little more research ourselves. Um, so let's just start out talking about the plot. Um, we'll do it best we can. We'll try to reference the materials, but we'll mostly just do what we remember. Mm -hmm. We've both read it a couple of times. Um, yeah, so starts out. There's a guy. Um clearly rich Humphrey Van Weyden and he's on a ferry crossing the San Francisco Bay when another ship crashes into them and he thinks he's going to die but he's picked up by a sealing boat yep. yeah uh on a sealing schooner we uh he's quickly realizing that he's stuck on the ship the captain Wolf Larson uh is very controlling uh is the dictator of a ship frankly um, he won't allow Van Weyden to, uh, leave, leave, even though home is within sight. So this is how our main character is very quickly swept off to sea, um, with no way back. Yeah. And Larson, Captain Larson, he's the captain of the boat. I don't know if you said his name. Uh, Wolf Larson. Wolf if Larson is the captain of the boat. Hence the title, The Sea Wolf. Mm -hmm. um, he, his rationale, or at least what he says, why he's keeping Humphrey Van Weyden, the main character, on the ship is because Van Weyden, who describes his profession as being that of a gentleman, has never really done any hard work in his life. So he's like, I'm yeah. going to make you work hard, learn to support yourself, work for yourself, be separate. Yeah, Van Weyden, basically, uh, his dad must have gone really wealthy but Van Weyden has not had to really work for a penny his life, though he is a writer. A writer. Um, writes several reviews, which is more important to the story later. Yeah, and so so he's on this ship. The He's kind of the weak one, so all the rest of the crew kind of bullies him, especially Thomas Mugridge. Um, he's but, a new kid on the block. Yeah, new kid on the block, and you know he's not used to the rigors of sea life or the rigors of any life that's not the rich life for that matter. Um, and then he comes to discover that Captain Larson is not simply the the brute that you initially see him to be. He's not just, and we get inklings of this even in the beginning, but he's not just kind of the, the, the guy who only knows the sea. He is well-read and a genius. Yeah. Um, our first introduction to Wolf Larson is a very, like, uh, uh, shocking, I guess, because it describes a funeral on board the ship. Um, and Wolf Larson is very disrespectful in this funeral. <laughs> but, um... Have you know that I do the swearing on this ship? <laughs> but it also describes Wolf Larson as the peak of, like, human... Think of the perfect human being, well-muscled, uh, well-rounded, all, all... Perfect physical specimen is Wolf Larson. Uh, tanned by the sea, um... Clear blue eyes. Just... Just imagine the perfect seafaring man and you've got Wolf Larson. And, and he's even a little bit like more than what's probably possible in the real world. Like 
We'll, we'll, we'll get to that later on, but yeah. Um, but then we see as the book develops and Humphrey Van Wyden, uh, starts to kind of get a place on the ship. There's several struggles and dramas between, um, characters and, uh, eventually he, Wolf Larson, he discovers that Wolf Larson is actually a rather intelligent person and frankly kind of lonely because he has no one to talk to. Uh, by no means does this justify any of Wolf Larson's future actions, but uh, he very intelligent. He's a very he intelligent knows person. Self-taught. Um, yeah. Very complicated mathematics, science, English, literature. Yeah. But because he's self-taught, he has such a different outlook on life, and stemming from his experiences at sea, his outlook is just very different from the kind of more traditional outlook that Van Weyden represents. So. Um, Wolf Larson, you know, no belief in the immorals or immortal soul, no belief in morality of any kind. He just right, might is right in his view. So yeah, he well, he's... think Charles Darwin's theory of the uh, survival of the fittest, and you've got Wolf Larson in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, he he embodies that. He's the strongest person, physically and mentally, so he can do whatever he wants. He's, yes, as he he describes it as like a, a yeasty ferment with all these different pieces of the yeast trying to eat each other and he's just the biggest piece so he can eat the most and mm -hmm. the, the point of life to him is just to eat as much as you can and so so anyway as the story goes on we see uh we see van uh wyden wyden what wyden okay van wyden uh become a uh, more prominent member of the crew through a series of events he ends up as first mate. He ends up as the first mate. So quite a jump from the, uh, well, glorified cabin boy he was before. Um, and at this point, uh, Van Weyden's kind of gotten uh, his legs under him, as Wolf Larson would say, when we're introduced to a new character, uh, Maud Brewster, who is... Before we get into oh, that, yeah. um, maybe just mention that, that there is mutinies like the the sailors are not loving how wolf larson is ruling the ship yes. with an iron hand so there's a few mutinies there's a couple sailors who we'll talk about when we get into the characters who are are the most rebellious against wolf larson they're like this is not right and they were willing to take actions and they yes. ended up dying and he kind of cows the ship into submission through sheer force and and then yeah brewster yeah. shows up yeah wolf wolf larson has a reputation and so All of brother. the members of the crew did not want to be there. Like they're there because this is their last option, or they were drunk when they signed on. It's a specific uh, example. Um, but anyway, uh, Wolf Larson has not showed kindness to stowaways, as we see with uh, Van Waden, and we have uh, someone that ship has kind of crashed has sunk and Maud Brewster who is this young woman uh comes across the the ghost which is the sh the schooner the seal schooner that Wolf Larson owns comes across the uh the ship and she is taken I, I wouldn't say captive but she is I mean they they rescued them they would have probably died in their lifeboat without them but now they can't leave same way Van Wade. same yeah similar situation to Van Wade wouldn't have died otherwise but now he's stuck and Maud Brewster poses something really interesting where she is from a 
fairly wealthy background, just like Waden, but where Waden is a little bit, uh, I guess, flexible, less confident, less confident is less confidence. A great way to put it in his moral courage, where Maud Brewster kind of embodies this moral courage. She stands up to Wolf Larson, and he's like not quite sure what to do with her. Yeah, because when she Maude, doesn't quite fit yeah. into his uh, understanding of the world, but. Uh, as a ship, as the um, novel progresses, uh, Van Waden comes becomes rather taken with Maud Brewster, and so does Wolf Larsen. So there's obviously going to be some conflict there. It's a strange love triangle. It's a very interesting love triangle, but ultimately Maud Brewster chooses Van Waden because he's a good person. Because he's at least a decent human being, where Wolf Larsen is ruthless. Yeah. Um. So kind of kind of things go on and we, we see all these happening and the the ghost, the Wolf Larson ship interacts with his brother Death Larson, which is the most sinister name. I don't know who their parents like, were. I think Jack London just immediately was like, How do I make this guy sound? Who are the two scariest what are the two scariest names? Wolf and, and Death. Death. And that's what it became. And yeah. And so Death is also a sea captain and he and Wolf do not like each other at all. They hate each other. And so there's kind of some clashes between that and in the confusion of it, um, Maud Brewster and Humphrey Van Waden make their escape from Wolf Larsen and they end up on an island um, that they, uh, what do they, what do they name it? Endeavor Island. Endeavor Island. Um, it's kind of this uh, never before found rookery. There's evidence that people have found it before, but they, they are didn't dead. Make it off. Yeah. But um, so they they inhabit this island and start to make a life for themselves. They it's kind build, of one of those like survival genre, mm-hmm. kind of a mini story where they build like the, the shelter, yeah. find the food, make the fire. They, they have to discover sources of food and how to exist because neither of them are what you would call outdoors. They're, they're both intellectuals. They're both writers. Mm-hmm. Um, but. After they, I mean, once again, things start calming down, but we have another thing that kind of throws everything off groove. And as stories do. As stories do. That's, that's part of a good novel. Um, and we have Wolf Lar- the, the ghost, not Wolf Larson. The ghost. Shows uh, up. Shows up. And it uh, basically beaches itself on the beach where they're living. So Van Waden goes aboard to, to see what's going on, and all of the... Sailors are gone. It's just Wolf left, and he throughout the throughout the novel he's periodically plagued by these headaches that kind of dampen his inhumanly strong abilities, and he, he's been blinded by them. It's some kind of brain cancer that he's been suffering from. Yeah, it's not ever specified what it is, but brain cancer seems to be a pretty likely um, culprit. Yeah. But anyway, Wolf Larson's blind, but still a threat. And Van Waden and Maud Brewster quickly recognize, realize this. Um, so it's kind of an interesting point where Wolf Larsen is weakened but not eliminated as a threat. And uh, Van Waden and Brewster are trying to keep distance from him. They keep watch. They are kind of... But eventually their goodwill takes over. And they, they take care of him as his state deteriorates. Mm-hmm. And it does deteriorate. Eventually, uh, Wolf Larson has a stroke. And he's paralyzed. He's paralyzed. He still tries to kill him a couple times. Yeah, and almost successfully at some points. It's 
terrifying. Um, but while this is happening, uh, of course, Brewster and Van Waden see this as an opportunity to... Well, the ghost is in still pretty decent condition. It's been damaged when... Did we mention that the sailors all deserted to oh. Death Larson's ship? There was a confrontation, and they're all, they all kind of got captured by death, and they just left the, yeah. the ghost mastless... They, they cut its mast down and just kind of left it drifting with Wolf Larson on board and Death Larson took off. And by some cruel or merciful twist of fate, the ghost ends up on Endeavor Island. Yeah, and so they're trying to fix the ship from the damage that the crew did mm-hmm. to it when they were leaving. So the main focus of the damage is the mast itself. So uh, through a series of events and interruptions by Wolf Larson, <clears throat> uh, after some struggles and successes... Um, the ghost is in working order. And they leave, and uh, and Wolf Larsen eventually dies of his disease, and they bury yeah. him at sea, bringing the novel full circle to when Wolf Larsen had the funeral for the first mate. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of philosophical discussions that go down in there um, throughout the whole book. Read the whole book. Don't just listen to us. Read read the book. Um, but yeah, they're... Even, like, even in those slower parts, it's filled in with all this philosophy. So the whole thing is very engaging. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to discuss some of the characters now. Now yeah, we've gone over the good. novel. First and foremost, Van Waden. He's the doubles as the main character and the uh, narrator of the novel. First person First perspective. Person perspective. They might ask that on a question. Yeah. Um, he kind of this... Here, I want to directly quote the materials he's um he 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 undergoes the most radical transformation of any of the characters in this novel he is kind of this uh he's this um lens that we see the world through and we see how he's changing throughout the whole novel uh based on interactions with uh wolf larsen or uh as he's becoming more and more confident in his masculinity as he's uh um becoming a worker on the ship and a successful worker at that. And then especially the accomplishments at the end where he is, he sees himself as a protector of Mod Brewster and, uh, he, he, um, they develop a relationship and he feels responsible for her and that makes him feel very, uh, it's fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of my take on Ben Wayne at the beginning is he, was was selfish, privileged, and underexperienced. So he had all all of these means. He had a good mind. He had um, he had wealth, but he wasn't really applying it to do anything. He was just kind of living his life, reviewing books and whatnot. Um, but yeah, then then he goes through this change, and he's kind of a almost a miserable, sympathetic character because. Just the shock is so great from one world to the other. If I could just interrupt you yeah. for a second. Um, it's important to realize that Van Waden did have high ideals. Like he a generally yeah, positive yeah. view of the world. He he, he 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 generally says, Oh, people are good and can be good and sometimes people are bad, but overall I think we can strive for success and people will and be there good. There is like an absolute moral like, Yes. And he don't kill people. And he is a believer in the immortal soul, which is a very important part of the debate. The debates between especially Wolf Larson and the rest of the cast. Yeah. So, yeah. And he just changes literally and figuratively. That's a quote from the things. From soft into hard. Um, yeah. Should we talk about Wolf Larson? 
Yeah, let, what, let's talk about Wolf Larson. He is our main antagonist. Um, Foiled to Van Waden. Yes. Where, it says, quote from the materials, where Van Waden changes and grows, Larson remains unapologetically the same. And this is, um, as we mentioned before, Wolf Larson has <clears> this <throat> idea of this doggy's dog world, this uh, survival of the fittest, biggest piece of the ferment, the biggest piece of yeast just consuming all the other yeast. Who can be the biggest, strongest piece of yeast? That's his favorite analogy. Um, and we see this, and Wolf Larson to the end, I mean, is... A Final f- words were Bosch when discussing the immortal soul. <laughs> so do you believe in immortality as he's dying? And he writes out, the last thing he ever writes is Bosch. Yeah, so Wolf Larson obviously remains unapologetically the same. Um, Traditionally strong and masculine, mm-hmm. kind of the traditional masculine character. He's he's trapped in this almost... He's not trapped. He is this perfect uh, specimen of human intelligence, strength, health. And that's why it's so significant by the end of the novel, he can't use any of the things given to him but his mind so he he as his sickness progresses he can't see he eventually can't move can't take care of himself at all and can barely write and eventually even that stops until he like a yes or no thing Mm -hmm. and then that even stops yes he dies um um i just got to mention that one time he single-handedly fights off seven men trying to drag him down he like climbs a ladder with all these guys (laughs) hanging on to him so that just kind of shows how much of, I mean, next week we'll talk about Nietzsche's Superman, but that that kind of embodies that, especially that scene. Yeah, we see that <clears throat> Larson uh, is kind of this. Um, it says here in the in the in the materials that he Larson lets the beast reign free. He's uh, he plays he refuses to play by the rules that are established in society. He is his own force of nature. Whereas Van Waden uh, exists in this, uh, this uh, these bounds of civility and wanting to be acceptable in society and establishing a society is actually good. Um, but ultimately, uh, Wolf Larsen, it's never really clear what created Wolf Larsen, but we know that he never had it good. He, he was born poor. Um, Tough, self-made man in every respect of the word. Um, gave himself his own education. Uh, worked from probably the bottom of the hierarchy to owning his own ship. Yeah. So Wolf Larson is a force of nature, is how I would describe him. Wolf-like, animalistic, hence the hence mm-hmm. the name. That was definitely intentional on London's part. Which is so interesting on how London creates this character that's so animalistic and uh, given reign to his self-indulgent behavior, but at the same time, he's so intelligent and he, he's he, he's a great philosopher. Um, so we have this kind of dispute between the two sides of Wolf Larsen and between Wolf Larsen and uh, Van Waden and uh, Mob Rooster. Um, speaking of Mob Rooster, yes, Mob Rooster. Um, so, so the way that Larson is a foil to Van Waden, he kind of represents the opposite philosophy and they clash along that Brewster mirrors Van Waden. So a similar 
similar philosophy, but she just has more moral mm-hmm. courage than him. She is described as a model of moral courage. She is beyond reproach. Uh, she's represent. This is from the materials. She represents compassion, sympathy, and comradeship in opposition to the brutal individualism of the captain, Wolf Larsen. And those are kind of traditionally feminine qualities, kind of the caring, compassionate, as opposed to Larson's uh, traditionally masculine qualities, kind of the, the, the strong, brutal. And she provides a significant uh, addition to the novel because at this point in the novel, about the halfway point, uh, Van Waden's kind of grown used to the brutality, kind of desensitized to the violence of and kind of realized, oh, this is just a lot I've been given. And then this new perspective comes And then comes we have, in. well, not just this new perspective, a perspective more akin to his original perspective. Takes him back to where he was. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that is how society works. Yeah, so she is the only female character in the entire book, which is, uh, so she carries the entire weight of her gender through the book. Um, so as uh, contrary to popular depiction of women in sea novels. Maud Brewster is not just like a passenger or an officer's wife. She is a fully formed character who contributes to the substance of the novel. Um, he London clearly wrote this character with uh, a lot of thought and intent. I think they say that it was probably based off of his wife, Kittredge. His second wife, yes, Kittredge. Um... Like, she expresses her discomfort with the violence that's going on, just the brutality of the ghost. Uh, but she doesn't wilt at it. She doesn't faint like you, you see in uh, lots of novels and depictions of women of this day. She's, um, she's very, very strong. While still retaining a... She's strong, but not at the expense of her moral courage like yeah. where wolf larson is this also very strong character both physically and morally morally in his own way um she, yeah she doesn't sacrifice the good yeah um and an interesting point is just at the end you know wolf larson he's kind of the strongest biggest bit of the ferment darwinian embodiment um but the the materials make an interesting point that at the end he fails to get the girl. It's it's a hump who, who resolves this love triangle, yeah. if you will call it that. So Larson has failed by Darwinian standards, you might say. So I um, thought that I'm was sorry, very interesting. If, if hump confused you, hump is the name given to Humphrey White oh, Van yeah. Waden by Wolf Larson. He's called that for a yeah. good chunk of it. Read the book. It's really yes, good. definitely read the book. <laughs> um, talk about a few of the crewmates. Yeah, let's talk about the crewmates. So. We have Mugridge, Thomas Mugridge. He's a Cockney from England. Uh, he he is uh, he, he represents the um, the class struggle throughout the novel. Like um, London was very Jack London was very uh, in tune with class struggle. Uh, he has a lot of political views and uh, ideas surrounding that. And Mugridge kind of represents this lower class struggle, like. Uh, never given a chance. Uh, he is down. Um, the earth, the world has treated him harshly, 
and he is bitter for it. Can I read this quote from him? Yes, I'm going to do my ahead. best uh, attempt at a Cockney accent. <clears throat> Please forgive me. I never had no chance, not half a chance. Who was there to send me to school, or put Tommy in my hungry belly, or what my bloody nose for me when I was a kitty? Whoever did anything for me, eh? Who I say? So. So, this is this is kind of a. So this kind of, this whole line kind of summarizes Mugridge's character in. No one was ever there for him. He's had to fend for himself, yeah. lower class. He he's a dreg of society, and it's because he was never given a chance. Um, because he was born to no money and because of this limited view where he doesn't feel like there's any chance for him ever to be making great he never does become great and he is again bitter about that and it causes him to treat Van Waden very poorly when Van Waden is his uh, In- inferior so, inferior is that the right word uh, so lower in the hierarchical scale inferior that is the right word yeah inferior would be the right word I was thinking subferior for some reason <laughs> um and he's the cook on the ship. Um, that's cookie. Cookie. Oh, he's the one who who cuts down the mast, so he kind of gets his last revenge on Wolf Larsen, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of nice. He, he he's a sympathetic character, even though he's kind of like you definitely don't like him through you, most of the novel, but you feel bad for him. You it's like it's it's like the uh, Peter Pettigrew, if you know Harry Potter. He's, oh yeah, he's very. You you don't like him because he's honestly not a very great person, and he's kind of snivelly and like gross and slimy. But ultimately, you feel bad for him because he's kind of got this this self pitying like uh, this this uh, full paradigm in him that doesn't allow him to uh, become anything more than just a sniveling uh, poor lower class man. Um, but anyway, we, this is one member of the crew. There's several members of the crew. Most of the crew don't pay it, play a huge role. Uh, some are nice to Van Wade and some indifferent. The hunters are kind of more on the side of Wolf Larsen. They fall along this spectrum of loyalty to the captain. The hunters are kind of just this vicious pack of, they're, they're there to kill and that's their primary purpose. They don't, they don't care what happens on the ship as long as they get paid. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but two important ones are Johnson and Leach, mm-hmm. and they're very sympathetic characters. Besides our protagonists, I'd say, or the materials mm-hmm. would say, mm-hmm. that they are the most sympathetic. Um, and so their their morality is a little bit different than Van Waden's, but it's not to the extreme that uh, that Wolf Larsen's is. And so they um, they they're 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 good to. Van Waden, and they stand up to Wolf Larsen, which eventually gets them killed when they try and run mm-hmm. away from this brutality. Yeah, they, they're they good people in a general sense of the word. Um, but uh, ultimately, it doesn't work out for them. They they, they are killed, as uh, my compadre said. But, um, yeah, that that's an unfortunate point of the story, but they're very important as we establish the ruthlessness of Wolf Larsen. Yeah. And how the lengths he's willing to go to uh have his final say. Yeah, and they uh Leech at least was the instigator of the rebellion I mentioned earlier where, you know, Wolf Larsen comes down below deck and everyone jumps on him and he still fights his way through. Leech instigated that. And so he was a Mm-hmm. Um, should we talk about death and then call it a day? I think it would be uh, very 
unfortunate if we didn't talk about death. Um, well, Death Larson's never really given a face in the novel. He's a very important uh, supporting character. Motivator for mm -hmm. Wolf. He, uh, well, Wolf Larson rules his crew with an iron fist from the materials. Uh, Death, um, Death seems a little crueler than Wolf, if that's even Which is possible. hard, yeah, it's hard to imagine. See, uh, with a name... Like, London probably very purposefully gave Death the name Death, where uh, Wolf, La Wolf Larson is given the name Wolf. Where we see Death and Wolf's wolves themselves as kind of symbols of usually negative things. But, but, but wolves aren't, like, all bad, and they're not yeah. invincible, and mm -hmm. it's not inevitable. Could be nice, like mm -hmm. in The Wheel of Time. <laughs> so... So um, we see that Wolf references, this is, this is directly from the materials, Wolf references his brother as an object of jealousy. Death is not a learned man like Wolf, but Death is without a care, and as a result is a more ruthless and successful captain. Uh, Death deliberately ruins various hunts and eventually captures Wolf's entire crew. And keep in mind, these guys are brothers. They were raised in the same house with the same parents. And um, they hate each other. And, and they, they hate each other, which is no really surprise with both with Wolf Larson's philosophy being who like the biggest piece of the ferment and death is a challenge to that. Let these fraternal ties mm -hmm. clog my judgment and get in the way of my making mm -hmm. money. And not just that, but death is this challenge to Wolf's very existence as the tyrant of his ship. Um, One of my favorite quotes from the whole book and we'll probably talk about this when we get to the theme of capitalism but uh wolf larson uh is talking about how death will come and might cut their throats and he says or worse cut our purses and steal the seal hunt and i just think that's hilarious um, yes it definitely shows what wolf is motivated about. by <laughs> yeah uh it's just uh, specifically talks about Brewster's reaction to uh, hearing that Wolf Larson has a brother and his name is Death. <laughs> is that there could be something worse than Wolf Larson looming in the background uh, of Death. this, what seems like an innocent seal hunting trip, uh, <laughs> turns into one of the most uh, interesting uh, novels I've ever read. Um, so... We've covered just about every major character in this novel. There are others that are definitely add value to the story and flesh it out and make it the great novel it is. We might mention them when talking about themes, but ultimately, mm -hmm. read the novel. Yes. Read the novel and uh, appreciate that you don't get locked on a schooner <laughs> with Wolf Larson. And if you are, then... You have Look. someone to, to commiserate with. <laughs> you, you got you got a friend in Hump. <laughs> All right. And yeah. we'll talk about themes and background, biography of Wolf Larson and whatnot uh, next time. Biography of Jack London. Jack, ah, Not Wolf Jack London. My bad. <laughs> My bad. Um, we, we, we just talked about the biography of Wolf Larson. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Jack London next time. All right. Later. Thank you.